So before we get started with today's podcast, as we said last week, I thought I would wish a happy belated birthday as it was uh, this past week on September 25th to our podcast mom, which uh, will be joining us today. So happy birthday, podcast mom. And hopefully, like I said last week, next season, we're already able to attend a game. So we're able to celebrate our birthdays at the stadium. Well, thank you, Luis. And cheers to Libra season. Yes, mine's coming up. That's actually a thing. I prefer Leo season. (laughs) And that's why I love you. So let's get this podcast started today. What is going on, soccer fans, and welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Northern California, the Sacktown FC podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out at roughneckscarves.com and raise your game today. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined as usual by my co-host, John, and I should say now, as usual, by our podcast mom, Sharon. How's it going, Sharon and John? Everything is good. Everything is good. It's been a a wild ride, and uh, I was able to wave at the bus on Friday when they took off to Reno. That was probably a real highlight for me on my birthday, right? So I organized that. Have a great time. It's a great birthday. It's a great year. It's a great season. We're undefeated. uh, Or, yeah, well, how many games have we won now? I'm not won, but not lost. (laughs) I hate to be that person that says we haven't lost a game. Um, So really good. I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Yeah, that was the neat thing that you did organizing that. Uh, I know the team reposted it there. I saw Roro uh, posting it from the bus, and hopefully we are able to do more of those things. I I wish I would have been there as well, but uh, it it was really good that you did that, especially on your birthday. Uh, I saw all the celebrations that you did. You went out to Mikuni, which uh, shout out to our sponsor, Mikuni, as well. And uh, that, that is a really awesome birthday. So uh, we're glad you had a really good birthday this week. How's it going, John? Man, it's going good. Um, I got to hang out with the boys from the uh, NFGA yesterday as, or on Saturday as, as we prepared for that October the 10th tournament. Uh, my first time playing foot golf uh, didn't do too bad. Um, I think I shot a plus one and even slipped because I didn't have the proper footwear on. Um, came home with a muddy uh, backside, but that's all right. That's all right. I still, uh, still uh, birdied the hole. That was a fun time out. So uh, October the 10th, we're really excited about having people out uh, for that tournament. We sold out all the tickets, which is great. We still have a few left. We hope people come out to spectate as well, and that will be a good time. And also last night, got to go to uh, – shout out to Bradley Ranch Winery out in Elk Grove. They put on a, a drive-in concert last night with one of my favorite country artists, uh, Chase Rice. Uh, my wife and I got to get out um, last night to, to go enjoy that. So. That was a fun time out. If you ever get the opportunity to do that, uh, they have another concert coming up here pretty soon for uh, Love and Theft. Love and Theft, I should say. Um, and they'll be out at Bradley Ranch, I think on October the 26th. So mark that on your calendars. Um, I'll be out there with some some swag for uh, Sacktown FC and our cup of tea and eat maybe even some California Storm swag. So uh, take it out. Take a look. Bradley Ranch Winery. Today, this podcast is powered by Reboot. Reboot is a nonprofit organization whose sole purpose is to help more kids play soccer while creating opportunities to practice generosity, empathy, and leadership. 
Check them out at reboot.soccer, where you can find out more ways to be part of the program and help reboot your community today. Find them at You Can Reboot on Twitter and Instagram and online at reboot.soccer. And as is typical in every episode, we would like to invite you to check out our website, sagtownft.com, that is actually going through a new design change. I finally have a little bit more time to change some things around. Uh, so you will be seeing a new design and as well as seeing all of our shows integrated on the website. I have some plans on how we can have that happen so that you are actually able to tune into the shows directly on our website. So be on the lookout for that. Still a work in progress, but website will be uh, improving uh, as well. As well as we also invite you to check out our scarves, the usual Sacktown FC scarves that you've probably seen us repost, you've seen us share pictures of. Well, as we say in every podcast, you can purchase your very own as well. And I've actually now made it easier for you to go to that page where you can directly purchase it. If you go on stacktownfc.com slash scarves, you'll be sent directly to that page. Again, it's $24.95, gets you the scarf, a scarf hanger, and also comes with free shipping. So wherever you're at in the country, if you'd like to purchase one, uh, please purchase it through there. And it'll also help support our podcast as well with the purchase of every scarf and so thank you to everyone who has bought a scarf it's really helped us out a lot and uh, we really appreciate that as well so let's get started with uh, this episode today here where we're talking about the fourth matchup we had against reno uh, ended in a draw 1-1 which also means that we have not lost against reno in 2020 also increased our uh, unbeaten streak, but best of all is that we have not lost against Reno. Uh, so what did you guys think about this match? It's a 1-1 draw. Sadly, we couldn't pull the win, but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Uh, let's start with you, Podcast Bomb. What were your thoughts on this match? So the, the first half, I kind of want to focus more on the second half. I know the goal was scored against us in the first half, and then we equalized later, but... The, the second half for me held so much. Uh, the, the defense seemed to be really, okay, number one, their field is not as good as normal USL fields. It's small. Uh, you basically, I could kick the ball from the goal to goal because it's just small. It's just smaller. So it's a harder field to play on, number one. But the second half for me was the one to watch. That was where there was a lot more excitement. That was a lot. There was a lot of buildup. There was a lot of play through the middle. You know, there, there, we had a lot of opportunities up top. Yeah, we did in the first half too. And yeah, we had a breakdown in defense in the, in the first half as well. Um, it was a good goal by Brett Richards. So hats off to him for getting through our defense. But interestingly enough, I enjoyed watching how competitive our defense was in the air. Um, that was solid. It seemed like the guys didn't matter if you were a sub or not. It seemed like the guys were ready for a lot of different things. And, and the second half for me held just really good promise. Still looking forward to seeing some goals, uh, more goals being, being put in less hesitation. You know, I know that we're, we're looking for, well, there were many shots on goal. There were five on target, which, um, which is like, that's really good. That's a good stat to have. 
Um, I just, I don't know. I just wish there was more. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, first off, let's start by saying congratulations to the team for not giving up a goal in the first five minutes. Let's start with that. Secondly, if you look at the stats and you watch the game, I actually thought we we controlled the tempo better in the first half than we did the second half. I felt like the movement, the shape of the team, um, and the passing was a little bit crisper. The second half, you, you got a little wary. You, you started to see some mistakes that could have been countered on. And, and luckily, you know, Jordan had a great game. Evan Ream uh, made a great point that Jordan McCrary has been the most consistent player this year. And I agree with Evan on that statement. Um, in fact, I think Jordan was able to keep us from uh, going under in that game and, and had a lot of opportunities to, to move forward and, had he moved forward, it may have been a different question, um, especially with Deckel back there. I'm still suspect on that. I don't, I don't quite feel as that's the answer right now, but it puts a coach on the field. He's part of the coaching staff. He's a player coach. So maybe there's a purpose behind it. Um, you know, we, we did need to win that game. That was a game that was a must win. Uh, we took a point away, meaning we're going to take second in this group because Reno doesn't play anybody on the way out. Uh, they got two games remaining. We have two games. And they all they have to do is get a point from those next two matches. And I'm sorry, they're going to do better than that. So in terms of the game itself, you know, we did a really good job all match long for winning duels. We were, you know, first the ball. Um, we attacked the ball really well, I thought. We did a really good job in, in passing in the first half. Uh, the ball movement in the first half, you know, passing-wise looked good. Second half, we didn't string as many together. We, we had less than 200 passes in the second half. You passed a total of 168 times. Um, Reno doesn't really pass. They are more of a long ball, let's collect and go. They don't really build up possession like uh, the Republic does, and you'll not- you notice that on those goals. Um, and then possession, we did a good job with the possession all match long. Uh, you know, passes could have been crisper. Possession in the second half, Sharon, yeah, the possession was a lot better in the second half, I agree, but I thought they were the shape and the composure, the finding men, not making those those errors on passes that we've seen um, was there in the first half. And, and again, it kind of leads me to believe that this is – we're starting to see a better team, especially if you and I are, are being able to say we like that half. If we're disagreeing on which half we're talking about, that's that's a positive. Um, and then going to the goal from uh, Deckel, that was the first time we've scored on a corner kick, if I'm not mistaken, since um, Hillard Arce scored a header – uh, in the first few weeks of the season. So we're scoring from a set piece. I'll take that any day of the week. And, you know, the, the team itself, I think they, they could have won this game. Um, I liked the substitution. You know, Carlton played a lot of minutes. He's played a lot of minutes the last few games. It was nice to see him get a, get a break at the end. And here comes the honey badger, Frankie. And, you know, he was, he was pushing. He wanted that goal. You can see the tenacity, and that's the difference. You have now a guy who can come off the bench, potentially even start going into the playoffs, who brings a different element. He's not afraid of, of going into tackles. He's not afraid of stepping up and, and making a critical play or um, having to make a, a critical tackle. So, um, you know, tale of two halves in terms of what Sharon and I are saying, but I think all in all, the game was great. They played well. Uh, disappointed we didn't come out with, a, with three points. But uh, a draw is okay. We, we own Reno, essentially, um, for the season. We've played them four times, lost to zero. 
remember that reno and so that's where we're at so going back to what sharon was saying about the pitch i agree with you uh, in fact i have very strong opinions against the uh, soccer team playing in a baseball stadium I feel like usl needs to start to enforce that a little bit more i know they wanted teams to shy away from that but apparently reno still gets a free pass to still play there because other teams if we look at like louisville they used to play at a baseball stadium now they have their own stadium which by the way is actually really nice and so they need to shy away from that we need to have normal pitches and not not this because you never know slip and slide and you might get injured because of the pitch conditions but aside from that I agree it was a tell of two halves but I'm gonna have to disagree with you John I thought the second half was better than the first half I know we did come up to a good start we had good opportunities in the first half but I think the team mentality changed through the second half and big part of that was going down 1-0 at the 44th minute it was towards the end the team had to respond And they, they were uh, in that situation, which it was good that they weren't in a situation like other games where we get scored on early in the match. And I think this is really going to help the team out a lot. It's really going to show that the team does not have to start games with that worry that they're going to start losing. And I think the more that they go through games like this, it's going to do better for the team. Because even though we did score on towards the end of the first half, that only meant that the team had to come out more motivated to the second half. And I'll take getting scored on towards the end of the first half than at the beginning, or even towards the end of the second half, of course, because it gives the team a, a fresh new half to start off with a different mentality, which I think is something that we saw from the team. I have to say the subs were great. The coach actually listened to me, so thank you, coach. Uh, I tweeted out after uh, Podcast Magic came in, I wanted to see Cameron, Mahoney, and then uh, Frankie as well. And he did all those three subs. I didn't really see that much of Cameron. Uh, I think you know he's still trying to figure out uh, exactly where his position will be at and what he'll contribute to the team, especially coming out from the bench. Uh, Mahoney definitely I, I saw him really uh, change a lot of things he had some key plays where had he not been there Reno could have scored and that that was a really good timing to put him in the, the game and Frankie came in a little bit towards the end I wish we would have probably seen him in like maybe 5-10 minutes so we would have seen a little bit more of him but at the end of the day he, he was still subbed and uh, the very few minutes he had He had some opportunities. He could have done a little bit better, but at least he had those opportunities, which is uh, what we always ask for our uh, players as well. So subs are good. I think overall the game was good. If we look at possession, we had more possession than uh, Reno did. And to be able to have that happen to you in an away game is always great because we know how complicated it is to play at Reno. Uh, you are playing at a um, higher elevation and that's something that they always use to their advantage with any team and we saw it against phoenix it really hit phoenix hard and so i think it's it's something that we should feel good about that 
we took a tie, we didn't lose against them. And I think this is going to be really motivational for the team moving forward to the playoffs, which we'll talk about it a little bit later because we practically have a really high likelihood that we will be playing against Phoenix in the playoffs. Realize that Phoenix is actually at a higher altitude than we are. So when they're at about a thousand, you know, in elevation and Reno is closer to what, three or 4,000. So 4,500, you know, we're at more of a disadvantage uh, than they are when we go there and we, we go up there and tie and, and win. So just saying they don't have an excuse compared to us. Oh yeah, definitely. They, they don't have an excuse. And if anything that should motivate us more, if Phoenix couldn't stand that and we could, but uh, other than that, I mean, let's take a look at, at the goals at the two goals that were scored in this match. First goal, as we said, came in towards the end of the first half from uh, Brent Richard to Sharon knows very well. But as she said before, he could have been a Republic player. So uh, maybe that goal hadn't been scored if that would have happened. But um, he gets his opportunity. And so what are your guys' thoughts on who was most responsible for this goal coming through? That was literally almost an up back through, but they did swing it wide on the on the left, and nobody picked up that outside wide player either on the on the right hand side. So there was a, a cross that came back in, ricocheted ricocheted back in, and and that the dangerous player, the one with the ball, didn't get picked up wide right. And then of course Brent kind of waltzed in unannounced. He almost did a Wondolowski style walk into the back of the of the of our defense without being picked up. So it comes back to when I do a a look on that sort of a thing, I always have to wonder were the players ball watching or were they actively involved in the swivel head and making sure that everybody could see what was going on, you know, that, that everybody had a vision visual of where the players were coming in. So if you, you know, if everybody if you rewatch it on your own tape or whatever, you'll see that there was a player that crossed it back in that where Brent was able to get a, a foot on it. I don't know that he was picked up as well as he could have been. It happened so fast. Sometimes those plays just get through, but I've always maintained that we have to do a little better job and not do as much ball watching so that, you know, that, that swivel head thing really does take, take charge. Now, had Drew Scundridge been in there, was he that guy that could have kind of stopped that? Because he does do a little bit of that. He gets in the way of those sorts of things. Don't know. So we'll see. This is, remember, this is Andrew's first uh, gig back on the field after a while. Think about that. I mean, looking at the play, you know, Jaime should have picked him up as he's coming through the 18. Um, Jaime's sitting, you know, closer to the top of the 18. I feel like Andrew should have stepped in to, to um, you know, to space. Jaime should have followed the runner and didn't. And the runner got near post on, uh, on Thomas and, or on Tomas. And we're, we're, here we are, 1-0. Or, you know, later on, it's not the fifth minute. It's not the sixth minute. It's the 43rd minute. Uh, could Rafa have done better? Could he have come out, um, you know, and approached or attacked? Again, that what if analogy, I feel like Jaime should have been stuck with the runner um, instead of standing towards the, when the goal's finished, he's standing on at the, at the spot. 
should have followed his runner. Um, and then that would have left uh, Hillard Arce to, to be able to push over to uh, potentially get or find space and not having to pick up a mark. So could have been different, but uh, regardless, still 1-0. Um, and that's how I look at that. you got to do a better job of following your runners, especially if you have a guy who's coming wide right and able to make you know that run into the 18 all the way into the to the six yard box and put one home that's that's terrible that's you know that's uncalled for coach talks about you know some things that are his mistake well was that something that they had seen um was that something that could have been picked up early in in film that they they do this because this isn't the first time that I've, I've been able to witness Reno making that kind of play where Richards plays a ball in and he'll follow that ball through the 18 and he sits and that's kind of how he scores his goals. He gets those little deflection headers and puts them in even during his time, you know, outside of Reno, he's done that. That's what's made Brett really good. And that's what hit he, that's his MO. So hopefully they, uh, they figure that out quickly before Phoenix because Phoenix has a lot of those same tendencies to play wide and wide come in. And then the wide guy finds a way into the 18 got to pick them up especially your center midfielders yeah they, they have to make sure that they keep that mark if we look at the play uh they essentially do a three-on-one against Herzog and I thought that was too excessive I, I personally haven't even seen much of Herzog in these four matches and someone should have kept an eye on him I would also add Francois was left by himself and had no mark and you cannot leave a player like Francois that has been known to do uh, a lot of damage, uh, especially this season with Reno. And so they left them alone. And I think that was the main key factor is that no one was marking him because it allows them to do that clean assist. Nobody's there. You can't commit these same mistakes once playoffs come by because it could easily happen. And that goal could be the end of the playoff run. And so I think coach is going to probably particularly look at that play and, and look at the fact that Francois should have been marked. And hopefully that, that changes because we, we definitely do not need uh, those plays to come back and whatnot. And as you were saying, John, he tends to do this a lot. And the player should have been aware of that that this is an ongoing play that happens. So the only thing, John, that I don't share is that Rafi had a little bit, like he could have done more. Uh, I think had he tried to do more, it would have been a bit risky to come out of his lines and try and block that. And I think he was really expecting, of course, his uh, defenders. He was expecting Tomas to be marking Richards, which we know didn't happen. And so... I hope I hope things change because you you can't deal with these situations where you leave someone unmarked and you let someone else just come through without being marked as well. So double mistake there. Uh, I know it's definitely going to be a situation that coach is going to really highlight a lot this week, and I hope that this this gets uh, corrected because up to that point, I thought the team was having a solid game. We didn't really have that many mistakes, and so. Uh, it's one thing for them to realize that you can have a game that is near perfect, but if you make a mistake like this, it can be done. And this mistake could have easily happened in the second half, last minute, and there wouldn't be a 
worse way to be eliminated from the playoffs than at the last minute. So uh, something for them to keep an eye out for. I agree with you, Luis, about the coverage on Francois, but I also mentioned earlier that I thought that Andrew was a little floaty, and I didn't know that he was supposed to play so high up. Y'all brought up a good point about the triple coverage um, elsewhere on the field, and that kind of overloaded our, our defenders to one side, which created the opportunity on the other side, our right, their left. But also, if you look at where Andrew is, <clears throat> who's he got? He's marking the penalty circle or the referee, I can't tell. So that was one of the things that I had mentioned, that if everybody's going to collapse when they're in that tight in the box, that's something that he also needs to do. Um, because he and Jaime have a tendency to you know switch high, low, high, low kind of a thing. But in this case, when they're that close in the box, we probably could have used an extra number. I think he was marking the referee. It almost seems like it. <laughs> Uh, at least if he's marking someone, I think it's more the referee than anyone else. But yeah, they could have done more. And like I said, hopefully, hopefully they they realize these things because again, we were having such a good game. We should have been up, and then this happened. And fortunately, you know, we were able to tie the game up. But it, it, it's really something that they need to take a look at. If anything, Andrew should have moved and picked up Bone who is standing there, and Jaime should have followed Richards. It's not, it's not difficult to think about it. Even when the goal scored, you're, you're looking at, the, look at the, the body language, right? Like They know these things. At least I hope that's what the body language is telling me. I got, I, as you look at the goal, you've got Andrew with his head down. You've got Jaime like, oh, man, right? Like You look at the emotions on the player, and he's like, yeah, my bad. He puts his hand up, and he's like, mm, yeah, I did that. And so those are the things. like. If you know you're a professional soccer player, you know you make a mistake, that's a bad thing. You're getting paid to not make mistakes. Now, I get it. There's, there's situations, right? But the game keeps getting played. You, you can't just assume somebody's going to do your job for you or that somebody's going to pick up the mark. You have to stay with the mark regardless. And that might not be a popular opinion, but that's the case. You should. You're getting paid. You, you're a professional footballer. You got to stay with the play. You cannot let the play go away. Yeah, no, I don't. If you argue against that, then I don't know. You have no order in your team. But I think when uh, Jaime, what, what he was actually doing after the goal, he was actually trying to call for offside. He was doing the classical offside. It's That's offside. the classical. I made a mistake, and it's on me. But hey, can I get a flag? No, that that, that doesn't work. Yeah. Me. Oh yeah, it, it looks pretty bad when uh, you are one of the most responsible players on the You're- pitch for that goal, and you ask for an offside, right? <laughs> I mean, look at De Gea. De Gea does it all the time. He did it twice against uh, <laughs> against uh, who, who did we play? Brighton the other night, and one was a PK. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> a, trying to call an offside on a PK? Come on, De Gea. Oh no, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That that didn't happen. He actually had a good game. Well, actually, he didn't have a good game. The woodwork had a good game. They saved him. <laughs> yeah, that's, it always helped. So if we take a look at at the game tying goal. I think our podcast magic had a big part to do with this. Uh, I know I tweeted it out as the goal was going on, but if we look at the play before the corner kick, essentially the play that gives you the corner kick, 
it was a good play by him. Uh, I thought, you know, ever since he came into the pitch, even before that play, he was already uh, showing, you know, that the game was going to be different, that his substitution was uh, really going to change the game. And uh, it would have been nice had that been a goal. That would have been a really nice play right there. But ultimately, this led to the corner kick. And as you were saying, John, it had been a long time since we've had a goal from a corner kick. Last goal was from Thomas. And to see them score a goal like this and to see everyone deckle to get his first goal of the season, someone who, which I have to admit, I didn't want on the starting 11 initially. And he quickly was quick to make sure that he's still a part of the team, that he's still someone that can make a difference. And as I always say, I'm all for players proving me wrong. And this was definitely a, a moment that, that he really took the team to his shoulders and, and pulled out that header, which uh, I think is going to really be a good thing for the team moving forward because you could take advantage of your set plays, especially corner kicks, that you might have games where you do have quite a few, which in this game we did have quite a few corner kicks. Then you're only going to be more motivated. Every time there's a corner kick, you already know who to send it to or at least you're going to have a player that has already scored off a corner kick and has a little bit more of that motivation to do so. And so what were uh, your guys' thoughts on on that goal and on Deckel scoring his first? So one of the things that I noticed, and I was glad it was Deckel, is because I noticed on defense he was winning a lot of aerial balls. So his my confidence in him just went really high because he was doing a very good job aerially on, you know, on things coming across, he was doing a good job then. So it just, it just, I'm glad he proved you wrong, Luis, and made the goal happen and made us have a lot more faith in him. It's a, it's a really good thing. And it's a really good thing for the team to feel confident around, you know, one of their more senior players that feels so good for the whole team. And sometimes emotions have a tendency to buoy, you know, lift our spirits. And this was, this was exactly what was needed. He did a great job. Like I said, I think he tracks things in the air very well for the most part. Yeah. Overall, I mean, Villian came in and, and did a really nice job of, of getting the team engaged in the first few minutes. In fact, if you go back to the 47th minute when Carlton got that, uh, that bad pass, and tried to try to beat the keeper near post. Who was the first person to say, "Hey, man, look up"? I was wide open. Points to his feet to tell Belmar. And what does Belmar do? He immediately acknowledges it, and look what happens. Belmar helps set up things and and does a better job of keeping his head up and on a swivel. Those two have something in 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 knowing how to how to get each other going, um, which led civilian kind of being able to break through because again. If you if you're a forward, you're you you should be occupying some of that space, and Carlton's pushing to the far post, thinking that okay, I know if he's not going to have the angle, he's going to try to play it far post, so get it to my head. And Villian was able to keep the run going that led to the corner that Deckel scored. Then you have the Deckel goal uh, off a corner. Deckel is always working on those things. Um, he's always at the end of practice. That's his thing. He he does a header, sprints away, make sure the header is accurate to whoever's throwing the ball and he sprints away 20 yards and comes back. So this is, this is something where he's been, he does often. 
He's always worried about placement and putting power behind it to get it because that ball's got to go another 10, 15 yards for training to call in if that's who it's going to. And he knows where the goal is. He's got a he's got an eye for it. He smells it. Him and those old school um, Adidas that he's got going on. I wish he would just give me a pair, but we know he stole the maker of them and they're hiding under his mattress or something. But overall, did a really good job. Um, you know, again, like I said, he brings a different entity. He is a coach on the field. And he's showing some of these guys how to do it. Now, can he do it for 90 minutes? I don't think he has those legs. But it's nice to see that. And, you know, it was good to see the boys be resilient, you know, indomitable, right? And coming back from one nil down to to give a good effort. But, you know, in the end, a draw is a draw. It's a point. Um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I remember that play you were talking about with uh, Bijev and Belmar. I thought the same too. Had he passed it to Bijev? I think we see the game tying goal right there. And then I don't know if the game changes. Maybe it still ends in a tie. But props to Bijev. And I hope we start seeing more players do that. But he's always been expressive in matches. If there's a situation, he's the first there to be uh, asking for the ball or really uh, telling the referee that that was a bad call. And you want to see more players like that that are really into the match, that are really playing for the jersey, really trying to make sure they give it their all. And and we've seen it with Bijev, I think, throughout the season. And I would even say throughout the past seasons where he's been in the club. And, you know, you all know that I'm a big uh, Bijev fan. And But if he messes up, I'll be the first to still call him out. But I'm just saying that I think it's it's something that we need to see more players have. And aside from that, his own abilities – We know he has unique abilities in the squad. I think the only other player that might have similar abilities would probably be uh, Werner. But aside from that, you always want those players that have those unique abilities that will lead to plays like this one that almost led to a goal, but ultimately it did lead with the corner kick. And Bijev offers that. And I hope for upcoming seasons, for one, that we still see him on the team. I've always said, please bring him on the MLS squad. Hopefully that happens. But even so, I think that for future squads, they need to look at more players that have these capabilities because it doesn't hurt to have three of these players, especially if uh, you have them on the bench to rotate because these are the players that are going to lead to these plays happening. Because if Bishev doesn't pull a play like he did before the corner kick, we maybe don't get that corner kick. Or maybe it's a shot off target like we've seen with other plays. And so the fact that he did that is really what sparked the difference in this match. And again, we need to have more players that can provide those opportunities that can lead to set plays like corner kicks, like free kicks, always helps. And it always helps you with the other team getting a yellow card too. I'm just saying, it's always good to have your opposite team get a yellow card after a one of your players tried to do a really nice play. So all benefits having players like that. And I think it really benefits us. And so as far as him being in the starting 11 or bench, uh, I think I'm good with either. Uh, it doesn't annoy me if he starts off in the bench because look at what he did in this match, what he's done in other matches. He still has the same ability, whether he comes off the bench or whether he's in the starting 11. And I think some other players, I don't know if we could say the same thing about them because some players get 
uh, a little demotivated if they start off in the bench. And even if they go in, they just maybe don't uh, respond the same way, which I kind of want to say that with Cameron, we're almost seeing that. And it, it does really worry me that we, we see that, but I hope that it's not really taking a toll on him coming off the, from the bench because, again, as we saw with BJ, he made a big difference. And starting off the bench does not mean that you will not make a difference in a match. So I have a comment about talk about bench and have BJ coming off bench. So Sam Warner was subbed out. Um, let's, you mentioned that, Luis. Let's talk a little bit about Sam and the, the sub there. He, I think that maybe the reason why he was subbed out is because all of his shots kept going high over the crossbar. Um, and so the form and technique play a lot into whether a player stays on the field. Villians, typically, his form and shooting technique are spot on. Um, he, he shoots low. He has good power. He has good technique on his shooting. So I don't know if, you know, I don't know if that's what we're seeing, you know, why sometimes Sam and, you know, there's a little interchangeability there. I think also as far as technique goes, if we're going to go there, cause I am that, uh, Darius Formella also has good shooting technique. You know, it's, it's not often that his shots go high over the goal. Yesterday was a little fluky. He missed a wide right or wide left. You know, there were some little flukes, but for the most part, there's that. Now, Carlton's shots went high over the, <laughs> they went a little bit higher wide. So I think technique, I think some of the players can learn from others. I know that Sam is way faster than Billion. Let's face it, you know, sprint, if they were sprinting side by side, Sam's, Sam's going to beat everybody. Carlton's going to beat everybody hands down. But technique wise, I think we've got some, I think we have to balance who's on the pitch. You know, sometimes you give up speed for technique. Sometimes you give up technique for speed because you've got to be first to the ball. How many times in the second half did we kind of boot the ball forward just to clear it out of the defensive half? You know, so so we're seeing that. And the boot the ball, you know, Carlton tried to run on. But by this time, everybody's lungs were searing because playing at altitude, if you're not used to it, you burn. Your lungs are burning. Your throat is burning. You can't get the air that you want. So to ask Carlton to run onto these balls or to ask Darius Formella to run onto these balls. So, so it's kind of like, it's good that we bring on someone like Villian, who when we are playing through the middle, when we are uh, moving the ball well, his technique will help with just passing the ball. Altitude games are not going to be a boot the ball situation. Yeah, it definitely does make a difference, of course, when you're playing in altitude and with all these uh, speedy players that we have, it, it could take a, a big toll on them too. But definitely, I think Bjev and Werner are good interchangeable teammates. And as I said before, Werner, I think, uh, retracting to what I said previously, I think he is proving that he could do good in the starting 11 as well. And so I think it's good for coach to have this uh, ongoing substitution because both players uh, do have some similarities. And so uh, looking forward to to seeing uh, who gets to be in the starting 11 come that first playoff game as well. Uh, my question to you guys, uh, going back to Cameron, because as I said, second game, he comes off from the bench. Actually, I should say third game, he's in the bench. Uh, last game, he actually didn't even get subbed in. Do you guys think this is going to take a toll on him? Or what, 
but it's going to happen there, especially as we near end of season. And do we leave playoffs in the first match? Is he going to come back next season or is he going to ask for a transfer? What do you guys think? So Cameron is a tough one to figure out. Cameron, Cameron plays when Cameron wants to play. And I'm not certain, you know, how his, the camaraderie and the, you know, I, I, I have not watched much in the way of training videos. I haven't seen what's going on in, in training. It used to be that there was some type of camaraderie, you know, it's almost like a capture the flag against each other. Um, they would boast about winning little small-sided games and things like that in training. I'm, I don't know what's going on there. And because I don't know what's going on there, I can't say what's going on in his mind as far as how he's going to feel, how he's going to perform when he does get on the pitch. I thought last night he was trying to make things happen. It's similar to what I say when Frankie gets in, it's a, it's a thunderstorm. Something's going to get, there's a mess is going to happen and there's going to be a ball pop out, knock down three bounds. There's going to be some odd things going on. You want to follow Frankie. Uh, Cameron, I think, is trying to live up a little bit to that as well, you know, so that he can also create some of those opportunities. He is a beast when he is on the ball. He is tough. He's strong. He's a bit of a panther. And, you know, he pounces. It would be nice to know what's going on in his mind. Maybe that's somebody we interview next. Who knows? Actions speak louder than words. Um, His body language, um, you know, tells us something that, you know, in watching – I don't know if this is the same cam. I, it's a very different cam than the, the Simon Elliott, Paul Buckle cam. And it's been that way since we've gotten back. Again, we talk about, you know, some of the things that have happened for him. Lost the armband. Subbed out at halftime. Soaked about it. And, and you know what? If you're going to sulk about it, that's fine. But don't do it where people can, can question your, your heart. I would rather see him, you know, coming off the the bench or, or coming coming uh, out and kicking a chair because he knows he didn't live up to to the expectation. Now, did he do that? I don't know. Maybe he did in the locker room. But be upset, show it, and then while you're doing it, still be a part of the team. Still, you know, be that rah rah guy. Just because you got subbed out, that's not a reflection of your team. You still need to support the guys who who are there. Um. And I, and I don't know. I just don't see that fire from him. I wouldn't be surprised if, if this is his last year in Sacramento. And the reason I say that is just based off of the by language. Has he lost his starting job? I, I think he's third in the pecking order now. I think, I think Mark goes with either uh, Frankie or Belmar the rest of the way out. And if it's not Belmar, it's Frankie. And if it's not Frankie, it's Belmar. And if you need you know, a second striker and you have to sub one of those guys out because they're gas. It's, it's cam or maybe even Sam before cam. I don't know. You know what? Mark plays these. I don't want to say he plays games, but I don't even know if he's set on who on the role Cameron's going to play yet. Or if he has a role, he's given him opportunities. Is he seizing that opportunity? Seizing that opportunity means you're scoring or you're, you're creating opportunities. We haven't seen many of those. Even last night, I don't, I don't necessarily think there was an opportunity he created that was a chance. So, you know, in my, in my feeling, this, this could be, you know, the last dance for, for Kamawasa in Sacramento. 
Yeah, I think the same, unless we see a different cam in these uh, last couple games of the season. Might be different, but if he continues to come up from the bench, I think he's going to decide to move on. That's just the, the sad reality of things because I, I have noticed the same things, John, and the fact that he doesn't do those things, like you said, to show that he's just angry at himself, maybe for not having the same performance, makes you start kind of question things too. And it would be a shame to see him, as I'm sure any Republic fan out there would tell you, because and he is our leading all-time goal scorer. He's been uh, really supportive of the club. We saw him in the efforts for MLS. And, of course, he's a local player, and you always like to see uh, your local players succeed, especially because they serve as an example to future players. But if that's what he thinks he needs at this point in his career, then I think no fan could argue against that because of how he's been performing. And no fan could be angry at coach for not putting him in because he has not proven himself. He has not been the same cam that we knew last year. And so that's why we're being so critical of him currently. And so if anyone thinks that we're just... uh, Criticizing just to criticize, that's really what we're looking at. And if he wants to come back next season, great. He might have a different season now after going through a season with coach. But if he doesn't, again, we're going to be here uh, supporting him wherever he decides to move on uh, because it's understandable that he wants to be in the starting 11. But again, if you don't prove yourself, you could do better, but you have to take advantage of those opportunities while you're coming off from the bench. And I agree as well that I think he is third in line now. Frankie has only been with us for a really short time, but just in terms of mentality, I think Frankie has beaten him already. And I think it's something he needs to realize that he's moving down to that third uh, spot, which is uh, not where you want to be at, especially as a player who has been around for a while. One last thing, just emotionally, I know he's planning his wedding. So I don't want to say that, you know, I will cut him some slack if there has been, you know, some distraction in his life. I, I applaud him for moving forward with his personal stuff. And I understand sometimes that can kind of, you have to juggle a lot of things. But, um, you know, just from my point of view, if it were me in his situation, I would have a a little competing distraction going on right now. Cause I know he's, he's and blessings to him for, you know, choosing to, to get married and, and do all those wonderful things in his life. So I'm going to cut him a little slack. We'll see what happens. Remember it's still a job, Sharon. He still has a job and a duty to perform. If you think about it, like if we had moments, multiple moments of, of brain fog at our jobs, you know, do we get to keep our job or do we get written up and then eventually they move on? I mean, you have, you bring a good point, but sometimes we're allowed to have a little bit of a a little bit of a break. This is not a good time for him to have a little bit of a, a a break or a lapse. I'm just saying, you know, there may be other things on his mind. However, that being said, I would love to see the regular cam. You know, our regular cam. I would love to see him come back. Remember how much pressure was on him to score his 50th goal? It was almost like, God, we waited and we waited, and I know it was a burden on him. Then he got his 50th goal. Have we seen Big Cam since he got his 50th? 
I don't know. You tell me. No, I, I have not seen him. And I personally think, you know, he got his 50th and then he got his 51st. But even then, I, I wasn't like 100% satisfied with his performance. I think those were just like circumstantial goals, if, if anything. At least that's, that's what my opinion is. And so I think that's why we haven't been as satisfied with him. Because, of course, being a, a forward, your job is to score the goals. But I think if at least we would have seen him have a different mentality, then we would be maybe speaking different things of him and not so much like, oh, he hasn't scored in like who knows when. But if we would see him really collaborating with the team, maybe he does more assists now than goals, then you can't argue with that. Or even at least just having a different mentality on the pitch, having more opportunities. Maybe you try to score a goal, but you just goalkeepers just were in their good days. And so you can't really be mad at that because at least he's given it his all. But just based on what we've seen, it, it just, it's just really hard to, to defend him uh, during this time in, in his career. But I would agree with John. I do think that it is his job. And if players just played voluntarily, then I don't think we could really say anything because uh, you know they're just voluntarily playing. But it is definitely something that he needs to think about. And if he doesn't change that, he's going to continue to be on the bench next season. And I think that there's a high likelihood he does not want to have a repeat season where he's coming off from the bench. And I think he's going to pursue another team. It's just what I'm thinking. I don't think he's going to uh, take that unless we see a change in coaching, which I don't think we are going to see that. And so if coach still maintains and again, Cameron does not change his way of thinking, he's going to be in the bench again and might be again for the best of him to move on to another team. I don't know if the team could possibly loan him out. Maybe get get him some more playing time. Maybe that's uh, what he might ultimately need is uh, be loaned out to another team for a season, maybe half a season. You choose your loan, but uh, I wouldn't be opposed to the team uh, loaning, loaning him out if he is going to come off from the bench next season. I think that would be the best option for him. So, so one thing I wanted to say, you know, it doesn't matter who you are as a manager. When you inherit staff or when you inherit players, and it's a little bit different than when you've picked your own. So he, this wasn't – Cam was an inherited player, Let's face it, he's been around for a long time. And he was part of Precky's initial squad, too. So sometimes you're chasing ghosts as a coach um, and trying to make everything live up to everybody's, you know, old memories. Sometimes the memories do have to die off. That was kind of what I wanted to mention. Yeah, and, and you got to applaud coaches that aren't living in the past. Like coaches who come in and they want to see all the players perform at what they expect from them and that's how they want to build their squad where they don't look at statuses they don't care if you've been in the starting 11 for years they want the best players on the pitch and that's great I always want to have a coach like that that is not going to look at those things and is only going to judge based on what they see while they're at the club and not what they uh, did with previous coaches and so I think that's great I think it takes a lot, especially as a coach, as a new coach, to come in and to 
bench a player that, again, has been our all-time high-leading goal scorer. I don't know if other coaches would have done the same. I don't, I don't know them too well to say the same, but I do know that out there in the world of soccer, there's a lot of coaches that they're still playing players that have done nothing for their squads. And I'm sure any fan would get angry at that because they are not performing well. And if a coach comes in and decides to just put their own players, not worry about previous years, then that's really applaudable. I don't know what you think, John, as a coach, but I think that's, that's how it should be. That's a hard one. That's a hard one because you, you, you still have to play the game. You still have to know what's going on, right? I think your argument is that with a new coach, you still have a setting, right? You still have to perform. Some people think that if they've been in an organization long enough, they're, they're bigger than the next coach. They're bigger than, than who comes in, that they are the club. Not saying that's the case here, but you know sometimes um, if you can't live up to the expectation of the new regime, you got to go. And I don't think Cam has has held up. You know, Mark's not new to this club. He, he had the youth academy last year, so essentially this is his second year being around Cameron. He knows what Cameron's capable of. He sees that. And he's asking Cameron to change who he is in order to fit the philosophy going forward. New coaches bring in new ideas, but if Mark didn't want him there, he would have been gone in February. And Mark's given him every opportunity to be successful. He kept him as the captain. He said, here, you've earned this. It's your job to lose it. Well, what happened? He lost it. Hey, you're my starter. You're the starter until you lose it. Guess what? He lost it. And sometimes you have to put egos aside. Like, oh, well, you're not bigger than the club right now. You've got to do the little things to make your coach happy, to show that you're willing to adapt. And I, I don't think Cam is willing or been willing to adapt. Now, is that what's the truth? No, there's three truths to every story, yours, mine, and theirs. So the idea has to come from what's going on. You know, what is there, is there a beef? Is there, is there something going on that, that we're not pervy to that, that we don't have the information of potentially. So in the end, just do your job, do what you're asked to do, do it well, do it the best you can do it. And if, your best is what you're showing us, then you got to go because it's not good enough. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the best way to sum it up. So let's get into our segment of the Mikuni Man of the Match. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Sharon. Who do you choose as uh, your Mikuni Man of the Match for this time? I'm going with the goal scorer. Sorry, I'm going to go with Deco because he proved you wrong. <laughs> I think that might be the only reason. No, actually, I was very impressed with how he performed in the air. And, you know, for his old legs, I remember when I was playing at his age. I mean, that that was something to get to get going in the air and to do the, you know, scoring a goal off a header. That's awesome. I'm going with Deco. Well, I have to have a repeat of Man of the Match and... I know everyone's probably thinking, like, yeah, he's your favorite. Of course, you're going to pick him. But my favorite, Podcast Magic, Julian Vizhev. 
again, as he was subbed in uh, at the start of the second half, he made a big impact on the team. As I said earlier, he had those really good plays. Ultimately, his play led to that corner kick that led to the goal. And so I'm going to have that repeat. We'll see next match if he gets a third man of the match. But I, I think he's he's been impressing me over these last two matches. What about you, John? Burns me to say this because I, I knocked him for for you know essentially not going to bone on the goal. I'm going Andrew. Um, and the reason I'm going to Andrew, first game back plays a full 90 at altitude. 56 touches, 45 passes for 71%. Second on the team in tackles with four tackles. And, you know, didn't win any fouls, but didn't concede any either. I think he did a really good job of, of staying with the flow. You know, game management is one of the things that they talk about in football with a quarterback. I think Andrew came on was the quarterback. Uh, he played the full 90. Roro uh, got subbed off early. Or I wouldn't say early, but got subbed off. That left Andrew to do, do the legwork. Um, you know, and it was, it was hard because it was between him or Villarreal. But because Villarreal, in my opinion, was the one who gave up that goal, I can't go with him. So I got to pick one of them. And I'm because Villarreal had, you know, 70% passes, second most touches at 55. Uh, I'll rephrase that. Third most because you had, um, you had Juan with 64 touches. But I got to go with, I got to go with Andrew, you know, coming back from an ankle injury, playing a full 90 on a crap, on a band box crap field that they have up in Reno. Um, Reminds me of times of playing at Rio Linda where the goalkeeper could essentially score. So, or even, uh, yeah, Rio Linda or uh, what was it? Highlands where you could score from, from the goalie or throw-ins because it's so close. Uh, that's essentially what you get. So I'm going with uh, Andrew. Andrew did a really good job in the midfield coming back. Yeah, and, and one thing to point out uh, of Andrew is that he was not expected to be in the starting 11. It was a last-minute choice. Uh, because of a little issue there that Skundrick had, I believe, in uh, practice right before the game. And so the fact that he did all that, knowing that he was not going to be in the starting 11, is uh, pretty impressive on, on his part. So our uh, next match, we're going to have another midweek game on Wednesday against Tacoma 2, 7 p.m. Uh, this game is away at Tacoma. And it is a must win if we want to have the most lightest of chances of being first place, which at this point, eh, I don't know if you still want to give us a chance. We really depend on Reno losing uh, their next two matches. That's the only thing. They get a point. They're in first place. So it seems highly likely that we will end in second place because let's face it, Reno has only lost against us. And they play against Lights and Tacoma. And I do not see them losing those two games. Uh, but because we can't say anything until the results happen, if we win both games, Reno loses both games, we're in first place. That's it. That's the uh, thing that we would need. And uh, as far as playoffs are looking like, it's looking like it's going to be Phoenix. Highly likely it'll be Phoenix. I don't see it being anybody else but them. And last minute yesterday, Los Dos gave up a three-point game that they already had against Lights that ultimately led to this. So Sacramento versus Phoenix is our first playoff game. That's our at least my prediction. I don't think you guys might disagree, but uh, you feel free to disagree. 
I think LA going back to uh, there's been some controversy with LA lately with them dropping a player for racism um, against San Diego in a draw, one one draw. San Diego's essentially given up that point is what the rumor was, and and I don't know if that's gone into effect if they've actually lost that point yet. But if anything, I feel like LA should give up that point. Um, San Diego should should jump into that that spot, you know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very upset with what I've heard out of the LA base and talking to a couple of my friends down in San Diego about what had happened and transpired. There's no room for racism in this game. I feel like uh, LA, you know, should be deducted points for allowing their player or, or not controlling their player. And the referee who was in charge of that match, who heard the racial abuse needs to be let go because uh, that player should have been red carded and that game would have been a different result as it relates to that. In my opinion, um, San Diego is far better the team on that end. Um, and it should have resulted in, in that player um, not, not being able to perform when that occurred uh, in the match. So, Yeah. If, if that happens, maybe we don't see them tie. And uh, I agree with you as well. I don't think Loyal should be the one giving up points in this match. USL should come out and say, we are going to give the big treat to Loyal. LA Galaxy, you are going to get dog points. You're going to get Ascension and have it be there because it, it should not be the team on the receiving end that gives up their point that could be critical in the playoffs. It could be really something that could determine whether they actually make it or not make it and so it, it's it's a really critical thing and yeah the league needs to take these things seriously they need to make sure that there are sanctions involved with the la galaxy organization as well i was really disappointed at seeing the announcement that the la galaxy made uh not so much on the separation of the player i thought that was good but i think they should have made a statement saying that the whole organization does not tolerate any discriminatory issues the fact that they didn't say that and they just said that they mutually agreed to separate makes it not seem as bad you you cannot say that you mutually agreed to separate with the player that committed this act look let's say this so ontiveros who's the player um in the 71st minute made the the comment using the n-word um eventually sent off on red in the 90 Eighth minute. I mean that game. That game is a totally different match. If if he's if he's sent off in the seventy first minute, um, it's just I, I don't know. There's no room for it. Regardless, yes, the statement should have been made. Uh, should have been a better statement. I I understand the mutual ways. Teachers, you know, when they do something wrong in the classroom, they're put on administrative leave. As Alan had pointed out to me, and I forgot about that. Being a teacher, you'd think you'd have the smarts to to know that, but you know, you gotta, you gotta do that for a contract reason. Um, but I feel like they should have come out and said, Hey, this is not acceptable. We, we don't condone this. We are willing to give up the points as opposed to seeing a post from Warren Smith saying that, Hey, because of this, we're giving up a point. Why are you giving up a point? It wasn't your player. It was your player who was demeaned. It was your player who was, was, um, racially abused. You should be accepting or telling LA, hey, look, you need to forfeit. This needs to be a forfeit. Especially in the climate and the times we're in, 
I think that's only appropriate. So one of the things that I have to praise San Diego on is for taking that first step to draw like nationwide attention, worldwide attention to that, the fact that they were the ones that raised their hand and said, we don't want to be involved with a match where this happened. So if they had not done that, I doubt anything would have happened. So they started the ball rolling. They did the, you know, it's going to have a snowball effect. Definitely. The league will take a look at everything. LA Galaxy will take a look at everything. If their board has any sense, the board for LA Galaxy and the owners, they will come back down the road. There will be some repercussions. There will be some things that straighten up. Having said all that, I'm, you know, you're right. There is no place for racism in this game. There is no, no way that anybody should be saying derogatory terms to another person, especially racial. It's just not, it's never okay. However, if we're looking at down the road, who we want to have Reno play, I kind of want them to have to play San Diego Loyal. I kind of like San Diego Loyal. I would rather have them play San Diego Loyal than, you know, I'm good with us playing Phoenix Rising. We It's the roll of the dice. We may do really well against Phoenix in Phoenix. So at the end of the day, I'm kind of hoping that things work out where San Diego is the squad that faces Reno and they deserve to be there. Yeah, they could even take a step further and just eliminate the Galaxy 2 from any playoff contention. Make a really impactful statement, right? And just say they're eliminated. The next two matches they had, they're going to be forfeited. And that's how we end it. And that would make such a big statement for the USL as a sports league in this country. Like, think of what the president would be, right? Looking at this league, take these actions against the a team that had these things, but if LA Galaxy as an organization does not say anything else, aside from, again, that bare statement about just mutually separating, it's going to be an embarrassment for such a big organization in the MLS to not say anything else about it. And so I hope there are repercussions with the team if they don't say anything. In general, there should be for these actions, but they need to step it up and say, we're going to give up that match. You are not going to give up points because it wasn't your responsibility. It's our responsibility. We took actions with the player, but we're going to take actions with this match as well. We're giving you guys the three points. Again, as I said, it's really critical. It's a really critical three points. It's not like it was lights against the loyal. No, it's someone that if you give up points against, there goes your playoff hopes. San Diego Loyal has 23 points right now. If you give them those three points, they reach 25 points, which would put them four points above Orange County. Think of how much of a difference that could make when they could probably qualify to the playoffs because of that. So I hope, again, the league comes out and they uh, do what's right if uh, LA Galaxy 2 uh, does not realize what they have to do. So the next match is going to be on Wednesday against uh, the Defiance up in Tacoma. It's a must win uh, to have any chance of winning the group. They got to win out with the hopes of uh, only being able to get one point um, at one point for Reno, obviously. So uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Tacoma Defiance uh, game will be on ESPN plus and on my 58 and also Australia TV. So check it out. 7 p.m. Wednesday night. 
So you can also check us out on social media. Uh, you can find us at Sacktown FC on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Facebook uh, page and also a Facebook group of Sacramento soccer fans. Check it out when you get a chance. And we are also in the gaming world. We have gamer tags for both Xbox and PlayStation 4. On Xbox, it's Sacktown FC, where you can find Luis playing Fortnite and FIFA 20. And on PS4, it's me at Sacktown underscore FC uh, playing the new 2K1 PGA Golf. Uh, check it out. It's, uh, it's a good game. And if you need to, need to get a match in, we can play a skins game. Um, again, PGA 2K1 on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, someone needs to challenge you already. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody's on Words with Friends, I mean, come on, Podcast Mom is still doing Words with Friends. We're actually going to plan something around Words with Friends. We're going to do a Words with Friends tournament. It's going to be planned before the end of next month. I'm just saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen during this Libra season. So we're going to get that tournament happening and seeing uh, uh, who wants to participate in it. So if you want to participate in it, uh, please let us know because we are going to be uh, creating that tournament. So once again, uh, thank you, Sharon, for joining us on another podcast. Uh, really glad that your birthday went really well, as I said. Hopefully next year we're able to attend games and we're able to celebrate birthdays. Uh, my own birthday is actually coming up as well uh, next Sunday on the 4th. And so that's uh, coming up. It's going to be a little bit weird with uh, this whole thing going on. Pretty sad because Republic was supposed to play on my birthday had we had a normal season, but uh, now I'll just watch my Cruz Azul actually play in the morning. And so at least I still have that going on. But that's all we have for today's episode. Special thanks to our community of amazing people who take the time to listen to us each and every week and also watch our online shows, our cup of tea and Pasiona Mekis. We started this as a hobby with the goal to give people more coverage about soccer in Sacramento. And over time, we found ourselves growing it to talk about everything in soccer. And we could not have done this without all the amazing support from each and every one of you listening right now. And to that, we say thank you, have a great day, and you will hear from us on Thursday as we talk about our next match this Wednesday. Thank you, everyone. Cheers, everybody.